Welcome to the Car History Podcast. I am your host, Derek Lynch, and today's episode will be about the BMW E30 M3. Today, the BMW E30 M3 is seen as one of the most important cars to have left the Bavarian factory. It came about as BMW needed a car to compete with the Mercedes 190e Cosworth in touring car racing. To compete in Group A class at the time, there had to be a road-going homologation car created first. This meant anyone wanting to do so would need to build 5,000 road-going cars in a 12-month period. They needed to have a minimum of four seats and the minimum weight of the car would be related to the engine displacement. The engine components could be modified, etched and polished but they couldn't be replaced with other parts to create the race car. They had to retain the factory fuel injection system but they were allowed to modify it for racing. All the suspension pickup points had to remain unchanged from the road car. The wheels were not allowed to protrude beyond the car's bodywork. Any spoiler or other aerodynamic aids required on the race car had to be identical to what was fitted on the road car. For 1987, Group A cars were eligible for World Touring Car Championship and DTM amongst other touring car championships around the globe. So for this purpose, they chose to base the race car on the E30 3 Series which had been launched in 1982 as a successor to the E21 3 Series. Unlike the E21, which was a two-door only, the E30 came in a four-door saloon, a two-door coupe, a two-door convertible, and later a five-door estate. For the M3, they chose the two-door coupe body shell as a starting point, although there was a convertible version of the M3 built in much smaller numbers. The first most obvious changes over the standard shell were the exterior bodywork changes to prepare it for racing. The most obvious thing upon walking up to the car are the flared steel box arches which were fitted to allow up to 10 inch wide wheels to be fitted to the race version. On the road car these arches were initially filled with a BBS style 5 wheel in a 15 by 7 inch size with a 205 55 R15 tyre fit both front and rear. On later models there were 16 by 7.5 wheels fitted with a 225-45 16 tyre all round. The centres of the wheel were either silver or a darker grey as they were on the Revaglia limited edition model. There were lower front and rear bumpers along with lower side skirts. Early models had front fog lights fitted but they were removed for brake cooling ducts on later models. Another big visual change was fitting a more steeply raked rear window to improve aerodynamics. This was achieved by moving the lower edge of the window further back and a new rear window surround was created to allow this change to be made. The windows were also bonded in for the first time as opposed to being held in place by window rubbers and piping unlike the standard E30. There was a large rear wing fitted to the boot lid which itself sat approximately 40mm higher than a standard E30 boot lid. And this boot lid was made from plastic to keep weight down. 
There were also various covers fitted to the underside of the car to improve airflow and the result of all these changes reduced the drag coefficient from 0.39 to 0.33 on the M3. The only panels that remain unchanged from a standard E30 were the bonnet, the roof panel and the inner door panels. When fully built, the car weighed in at 1165kg and 1240kg for the US version. If you then opened the door and stepped inside, you would see only subtle changes over its standard E30. It had cloth seats as standard or leather as an option. There was a leather trimmed three spoke steering wheel behind which you'd see an 8000 RPM rev counter with a 7300 RPM rev limit and the speedometer reads up to 160 miles per hour or 260 kilometers an hour, depending on what market the car was sold in. The usual fuel economy gauge that had resided in the bottom half of the rev counter was replaced with a much more useful oil temperature gauge. To allow the race car to have an improved suspension geometry, the M3 had increased caster over the standard E30 for greater stability and steering feel. Revised steering knuckles were used along with the wheel bearings of the 5 series. The hubs were changed from 4 stud to 5 stud and the control arms were made from aluminium. Thicker anti-roll bars were fitted front and rear and uprated springs and dampers were fitted all round. The power steering was recalibrated to give a faster and more direct steering response. The rear trailing arm setup remained largely the same as the standard E30 apart from the previously mentioned upgrades. The brakes were upgraded to larger diameter and thicker discs combined with bigger single piston calipers. ABS braking was now a standard fit on the M3. This brings us to the most significant and important part of the E30 M3, the engine itself which was developed by Paul Roche. At the time, the most powerful engine in the E30 body was a 2.5-litre inline six-cylinder. However, for racing, BMW chose to use an inline four-cylinder instead. This was for two reasons. The four-cylinder weighed less, and also this weight would be pushed more towards the centre of the car due to the much shorter engine design, helping to give as close to a 50-50 weight distribution as possible. They also found that the six-cylinder crankshaft tended to vibrate at a much lower engine speed than the four-cylinder. The S14 engine, as it's known, was bespoke for the M3 model. But there were a few versions of the engine, and its roots can be easily traced back to other already existing engines in the BMW lineup. The M10's cast iron block had seen use in the lower-powered four-cylinder versions of the 3 Series. But more significantly, the same block had been used in the turbocharged Braham BMW Formula 1 car that had won the 1983 World Championship, so it had been well tested for durability. The alloy head that was mated was from the M88 six-cylinder engine that was fitted to the M6 and M1 previously. As luck would have it, the six-cylinder engine had the exact same cylinder gap as the four-cylinder M10 block, so they simply cut off the two combustion chambers on one end of the M88 head and they bolted a plate over the resulting hole on the rear side of the head. Believe it or not, they managed to create this engine in just two weeks. 
They fitted the engine with a 5-bearing crankshaft that was capable of withstanding engine speeds in excess of 10,000 RPM. There were pent roof combustion chambers with a high compression ratio of 10.5 to 1. It had centrally located spark plugs, 4 valves per cylinder with twin chain driven camshafts. On the intake side it had individual throttle bodies for improved flow and response. There was a larger capacity oil sump with baffles fitted to slow the oil movement during hard cornering. All of this was controlled by a Bosch engine management system. Power from that engine is then fed into a 5-speed Gertrek 265 dogleg gearbox and then into the standard fit limited slip differential. The European versions got the dogleg gearbox where first gear is located to the left and back whereas the US versions got the regular hitch pattern. Other differences in the gearboxes were the European model got closer gear ratios with the US version having longer gearing. Naturally, for a car like this, there was no automatic option. Over its lifetime, there were a few variations of this car. These variations allowed them to make the further changes to the racing versions. The first M3 launched in ni- March 1986 and it had 197 brake horsepower and 177 pounds feet of torque. The horsepower dropped to 192 brake horsepower if a catalytic converter was fitted. This was the S14 B23 engine and it was 2.3 litres in capacity. In 1988, the first upgrade came in the form of the Evolution, sometimes referred to as the Evo 2. It also had the S14 B23 engine in 2.3 litre capacity, but this time the power had been lifted 217 brake horsepower. It got the larger 16 by 7.5 inch BBS wheels as standard, with thinner side and rear window glass to reduce weight up high in the car. It also got a lighter boot lid, deeper front splitter and an additional lip added to the rear spoiler. Then came the Sport Evolution in 1990. It gained an enlarged version of the S14 called the S14B25 which was a 2.5 litre capacity engine. It produced 235 brake horsepower and it had a top speed of 250 kilometers an hour. Externally, it had enlarged front bumper openings along with both an adjustable front splitter and adjustable rear spoiler. The front fog lights were removed to make way for brake cooling ducts. On the inside, it got different seats and an Alcantara three-spoke steering wheel. There was, however, one other car that got a version of this S14 engine. It was the 320 IS, which was sold in the Italian and Portuguese market, where there was a luxury tax applied to cars with engine capacity exceeding 2 litres. So it got the S14 B20. The reduced capacity was achieved by shortening the stroke. It made do with 189 brake horsepower and 155 pounds-feet of torque. There was also a limited run of convertible M3s built, totaling 786 models. A one-off pickup also exists. It was built in 1986 by BMW and it was based on the E30 convertible with the narrower wings. It was originally fitted with the 2.0-litre version of the engine but was upgraded to the larger 2.3-litre unit later in its life. It was used in the BMW factory until its retirement in 2012. There were a few special editions of the M3 produced. In 1989, the Ravaglia 
and Chicota Limited Editions were released, both named after DTM drivers. They both produced 212 horsepower after they had been fitted with a catalytic converter. There was a total of 480 Chicota models built, along with a further 80 built in a detuned state for the Swiss market, where there were stricter emission standards. There were only 25 Revaglia models built, and I apologise if I mispronounce any of these names. By the time production of the E30 M3 wound up in June 1991, a total of 17,970 cars had been built. Right from the very beginning, the M3 had been designed as a racing car first. The road car was almost a byproduct of this due to the FIA regulations. Quite a few of the road cars that left dealerships immediately went straight into another garage to be race prepared. 1987 was the first year for the World Touring Car Championship and the M3 was built to compete in this very championship. In race spec, the 2.3 litre engine jumped from 200 horsepower to around 300 and revved to 8,200 rpm. BMW didn't have their own works team competing. Instead, they supported various other already established private race teams like Schnitzer, Linder, Zaxbeed and Begazi. In the first World Touring Car Championship race in Monza, all the M3s ended up being excluded from the final placings due to irregularities in sheet metal thickness. BMW appealed the decision, but they left the appeal too late, so the decision was final. However, by the end of the season, it didn't make much difference to the results, with Roberto Rivaglia taking the championship driving for Schnitzer. But this was just the beginning. Wilfred Voigt won the European Championship with Alfred Hager coming in second. The 1987 DTM Championship was also won with an M3 with Eric van der Poel driving. Its success was not just limited to the racetrack. While the M3 struggled against four-wheel drive rivals on loose terrain rallies, they got their first win in 14 years on the Tarmac Corsica Rally in 1987. While in Ireland in 1990, Bertie Fisher took the Irish Tarmac Championship while driving an M3. In 1988, the success continued, with the M3 taking national touring car titles in France, England and Spain. In 1989, the M3 retook the DTM Championship with Roberto Rivaglia behind the wheel. There were also many wins in Belgium, France, Holland, Italy, Spain Finland, Sweden and Yugoslavia. Probably the crowning achievement for that year, especially being a German manufacturer, was taking a 1-2 victory in the Nürburgring 24-hour race. They managed to repeat that success by taking the win in 91 and 92. Also while on endurance racing, they also took victories in the Spa 24-hour race in 1987, 88, 90 and 92. The E30 M3 had a strong presence in touring car racing for five years. It's become the most successful touring car of all time by winning the two championship titles in the European Touring Car Championship and two in DTM. There were numerous other victories and championships won at an international level. Depending on the competition rules of the championship they competed in, they were able to reduce or increase the engine capacity. 
For example, in the UK, it was limited to 2 litres, whereas they were 2.5 litre in the German and French championships. To this day, the E30 M3 is considered to have been the most successful road race car the world has ever seen. It's taken countless wins and championships since its launch in 1986 and will continue to do so as many are still raced competitively today. With that, I'll wrap up this episode. I hope it was informative and I hope I got all the facts correct. If anyone would like to contact me, you can do so by dropping me an email on the car history podcast at gmail.com you can follow me on instagram on the car history podcast and tweet me at the car history podcast thanks for listening and until the next episode stay safe